in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I am your co-host, Andy Hart. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Art Stone. Hey, Andy. Whoa, Art, you're seeming a little down in the dumps. Yeah, sorry. I'm just um, just really, really exhausted. I've, um, I've been working really hard lately. I've been, um, I've been doing the gritty online for different social causes yeah just putting it's a lot of effort yeah to do the gritty yeah you look like you're uh twisting yourself into knots here art lately from all this stress almost like you become a pretzel oh what which is funny because uh <laughs> you know today's episode is we got there today's we got episode, there quick yeah didn't take very long Wow. Good segue. Jeez. Today's episode is all about a, a an encounter with a strange, mysterious being. A pretzel? No. Oh. With somebody who's named Pretzel. So this doesn't take place in like 12th century Bavaria. No, this has nothing to do. Only, only a slight mention of Germany, but nothing wow. specifically about Bavaria. Nothing specifically about yeasted doughs. You no- love a pretzel. I love pretzels. Where do you stand on the pretzel scale? Yep. Pretzel. Uh, on the pretzel spectrum, are you more of a soft guy or hard guy? Wow, that's a great question. Thick or thin? It's Rods a- or twists? The more phallic, the better, baby. <laughs> um, man, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like a really good soft pretzel fucking, I mean, it just knocks it out of the park. But the snackability of hard pretzels, tough to beat that snackability. Like those rolled golds, you just fucking eat the whole bag yeah because they don't feel as bad as potato chips but i feel like they're just as bad as potato chips i mean it's different for sure i mean at least potato chips are made from vegetables you are consuming salt like a lot of salt like a potato is a vegetable it's true and a pretzel isn't has no vegetables in it whatsoever but man i think here's the thing i think i'm gonna go just plain i'm gonna go with a hard pretzel as a snack because Soft pretzels are all about them dipping sauces. Now, you add in some of these dipping sauces, it's soft pretzel all the way home, baby. If I could only eat one type of pretzel for the rest of my life, it would be a soft pretzel with various dips. Right. Right. But you have to have the dips. I don't have to have a dip. I wouldn't necessarily only pick a soft pretzel because of a dip. I think that a hard pretzel can outshine a soft pretzel in, in on average. By itself, just because it's so snackable. 
but um, I do. I think I prefer a soft pretzel. Yes. Answer your question. Go on record. I will go on record too. Soft pretzels. Soft pretzels, soft pretzels are superior, yeah. but hard pretzels. You're not that far behind. Like going to a big game. You ever go to a big game? I've been to the big game. You've been to the big game. The big game. Yeah. The, like the one we all know we're talking about. The, the one that we know that we're talking and about. I've been like to the big soft, game. Overpriced $16 pretzel that's only about yay big with some nacho cheese sauce. I mean, what the fuck? Come on. Yeah, I love getting a soft Get pretzel that's been hanging on a rack for several hours <laughs> yeah. inside of a case that has a picture of a pretzel on it <laughs> and a yeah. very bright light inside of it we all know the one it's got like a gradient it's yellow and red right uh and i love getting a it says pretzel as if you weren't aware a cup that is cheese labeled as cheese but has a questionable amount of dairy in it it certainly is a creamy texture it's a ramekin that is more cheese skin than it is cheese sauce <laughs> yes but the cheese skin is the most delightful part yeah. all right well buckfuckers that's where we stand on pretzels that's where we stand on pretzels we're gonna find out where you stand on pretzels or the pretzel encounter yeah. with this strange, mysterious being in Argentina. Art. Oh, I didn't even know it was in Argentina. It's in Argentina. Love home Argentina. of the pretzel. Home of the pretzel. Where the birthplace of the pretzel, Argentina. We all know the ancient gauchos used to ride on their horses and then after they'd, they'd the, camp for the night. The ancient gauchos. The ancient gauchos. Prehistoric gauchos. <laughs> prehistoric gauchos. <laughs> they'd, of course, cook pretzels. Pretzels by the campfire. Made from dinosaur meat. <laughs> Things were different then. It was a simpler it's a time. Simpler time. Uh, but if you're if you're like tied up right now and you just can't wait to oh to hit the concession stand and get into a delicious pretzel, you can you check the show notes and look for the timestamp and speed yourself right ahead. But if you're not interested in that, stick with us because Art and I got to share how we got abducted by Mister. Bunker, quote unquote, asshead, <laughs> in his fucking dipshot behavior. We gotta figure this out and tell you how we got abducted again <laughs> this week. Well, giraffes, once again, uh, we're dealing with another business venture. Art and I are serial entrepreneurs at this point. Big time. We've had so many different business ventures. A lot of successes. A lot of successes. We're like sharks. I, yeah, we're sort of like the Warren Buffets of podcasting. Oh, yeah, the Warren Buffets. The Shark Tanks, yeah. Mm -hmm. Warren Buffet. My competitive eating name. <laughs> I dress up in a suit and a tie, and I have a big lobster bib on. <laughs> and I'm wearing an adult diaper. Yeah. That's not part of the thing. I just have to have one on all the sure. time because of my leaky anus. So Art and I decide we're going to start up a weed store. Weed. We love weed. We love weed. We love weed. We love you know us marijuanas. We're into THCs. Yeah. You guys know us. We're all. You can read the the comments and the reviews on this show. These guys are huge stoners. We are. We love smoking that Chiba. And we love listening to this annoying, unfunny podcast yeah. that isn't funny. It's so trash. It's, it's just so, two idiots fucking riffing the whole time. Right. And it's so easy after we've consumed some marijuana yep. and have THC in our blood mm -hmm. to laugh at these things um, and get the munchies. We love eating pizza rolls and Doritos together uh, in what we call pizza roll salad. Um, <laughs> pizza roll salad. Yeah. It's a little yeah, it's funny. You replaced... The lettuce with Doritos. With Doritos. It's something that only two cool stoners like two us could come up with. Two fucking stone dude. bros. We're so cool. We love stoning. 
Um, we can't get enough stoning. We, we think it's a great form of capital punishment. It should it's come like, back. Everybody should get to to do weeds if you get in trouble. Like that's cool stoning. <laughs> we're throwing up shakas left and right, right, right now. Fucking, you can't see it, but we, we are. are. We're cool. <laughs> we love stoning. So we decided we're going to start up a weed store. But it's legal here in Illinois. It's legal here Believe in, it or not. in Illinois. You can do weeds wherever you want. There's no restrictions Multitude on where you, of weeds. Take your marijuanas with you on the buses and the trains. It doesn't matter. Um, so we we decide, you know, what's the first part of like getting a business up and running? You got to find a place to operate your business. Mm-hmm. So we know like, hey, we're going to have to get a place to grow marijuanas. Yep. We're going to have to be able to cultivate marijuanas. Yep. We're going to have to like harvest marijuanas. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to be able to like sell marijuanas. Oh, yeah. To the receptive public here in Illinois. It's all in our business plan. All in the you business plan. It it's somewhere. available on the internets. You can check it out. We 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 decided it would make a lot of sense uh-huh. to just find an old weed store. Yeah. And then just move in like hermit crabbit. Yeah. We, it's called hermit crabbing. Hermit crabbing. It's... um. You basically find a business that did what you did that failed, and then you move into their place, and then it's like already set up right. for what you want to do. So we start scouting out some some weed stores, um, looking for places that used to sell the weeds. Mm-hmm. Um, we checked out a few places. You know, there was these very uh, high end dispensaries. There was marijuana. Um, weeds are us. Yeah. Um, Toke them if you got them. Yep. One toke over the line. Um, up in smoke, the weed store, marijuana Inc. Uh, smoke LLC. <laughs> there was the cannabis, right? Which was like kind of bus shaped. It was kind of neat. It was like a food truck, but for weeds, right? Um, <laughs> but there's fat fucking clouds, but the fucking. Was replaced with like different symbols, right? A clown to like, face to like censor it, which is good because then I don't know what the word is, right? Because when you censor words online, it, like I'm like I don't know what word that was. Maybe it was fucking, but maybe it could have been fire truck, right? I don't know. You censored it. Yeah, we looked at the hot box. We looked at the green machine. The green machine, man. Uh, big Phil's bong. weed store. We looked at Big Bong Theory. <laughs> we looked at so many local businesses. None of them were right for us. Nothing was right for us. You know, I mean, let's face it. Commercial real estate market in Chicago is tough. Mm, Rent through the roof. Who knew? Well, we finally found a place. It was kind of run down, a little bit lower cost. It was kind of like just what we needed. You know, someplace we could put a little love into. Uh, a good make place to own. start a business. Yeah, make it our own. Um, the name of the shop that used to be in there was um, uh, Mr. Mr. Bonger's Marijuana Time Smoke Shop. Yeah, Mr. Bonger's Marijuana Time Smoke Shop. Now, we go into this into this uh, this store, and you know, lo and behold, it's not just a there's not just a a storefront and like a business. Yeah, but there was a lot of like paraphernalia. There was old paraphernalia in there that I guess the previous owner just left behind. Bongs. Lots of bongs. Bulls, pipes. Bulls, pipes. 
you know, all the weed things that we know and love. Yeah, all of the weed ac- weed and weed accessories. Hydro- hydroponics. There was hydroponics there. Hydroponics everywhere you look. There's hydroponics. There was... There was lighting. Uh, there was a light, a lamp for growing weeds, right? Um, and of course, water. There's irrigation systems for growing weeds. Yeah, it was very clear that this store had developed agriculture. <laughs> there was aqueducts to feed the irrigation systems. A complex road system. <laughs> Their own fiat currency. I saw a wheel. A phalanx? There were, there were, there was definitely evidence of animal breeding, which means <laughs> animal husbandry. They had knowledge of animal husbandry at Mister Bonger's marijuana time smoke shop. Maybe it was some maritime tools, right, for crafting, uh, you know, different vessels. There was a spyglass and a sextant. <laughs> I, they knew about navigation. They might have been using the stars. We don't know, right? So many things for weeds. And right. of course, we know all these weed th- terms and some of this jargon might seem odd to some of you listeners because we know that most of our listeners are not big into weeds. Right. You're not in the industry. You're not into s- smoking marijuanas like we are. We love smoking. A lot of grinder. There was a lot of, um, there was so much grinder. Yeah. Uh, grinder was installed on all the phones there and the laptops and different different materials. So a lot of messages on there. Right. A lot of stuff. <laughs> the weed, the famous... The famous weed app, the famous weed app grinder. Um, gosh, what I mean, paper, lots of different kinds of paper, right? You need that for weeds. You need that for them as a shock, right? You need the the weeds papers. There was gummy bears and cookies and brownies. Um, yeah, there were there were um, you know, a lot of like weed butter, like glass skulls with like metal pipes coming out of them. Weed dry aged beef. It's some dry aged beef and call it with weed. They call it weed you. It was A5 weed you. Yeah, weed you. <laughs> From Japan. Right. It's uh, amazing marble amazing on that weed. Beef. And these that weed you. And these cattle are smoking weeds all day long. It's amazing. They feed marijuana. They have they feed they give the cows joy. They <laughs> they hotbox the cows. So they put a gas mask over the cow and then they just feed bong smoke into it its whole life. It's right. amazing. <laughs> And they don't eat. The cow has a whole, cow has a great fucking life. They eat no grass or yeah. hay, only dried weed. That cow loves Pink Floyd. He thinks, I mean, that cow thinks that fucking Dispatch is the greatest band he's ever listened to. He won't shut up about them, and they're like eighteen million hour solos. He fucking he wears Birkenstocks. He's got tie dye shirt. The cow eventually forms dreads. And the cow loves this podcast. The cow loves this podcast, and then they kill it. Yeah, and then we can eat it. And it's infused with marijuanas. The cow always has a frisbee on him or a hacky sack. The cow has not made a very good financial decision in the last 10 years, but that's okay. He's still a, he's still having a good time. <laughs> it's amazing. Weed It's you. a great cow. Weed you. Um, you know, and it's really it's really awesome. That they've imported this technique to the the Americas because it's really something to behold when you go to Japan and see them. You Japan know. loves weed. They have such a huge drug culture in Japan. Um, Japan loves when you do drugs in their country. They are so open to marijuanas and weeds and all sorts of drugs. They love yeah, it there. They love They're drugs. Big into it. Big, 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 big. They they don't have any. It's decriminalized across the whole country. Yeah, in Japan's. 
And I know this because I've looked it up on the internet. So right. don't, don't question me. You're an expert on Japan. Big time expert on Japan. Have a degree in Japanese. Yeah. Um, so we're going through all this stuff. Oh, Mr. So much crap. Mr. Bonger's Marijuana Time Smoke and you shop. know me and you, we just want to freaking toke up. Right. We're we more want to toke up, dude. I would say that we're more smokers than jokers, and we just love to get right into weed. Like we're midnight tokers. Dig a give me a big bowl of weed instead of weedies. A lot I of want my come weedies. up to us to say I really love your peaches, wanna shake your tree. Yeah. And I go, I know what you mean. And, and I pass them a joint because I'm friendly. Right. A joint is a term for um It's a place where your bones meet in the body, right? Yeah, so when you pass someone some weeds, you want to make sure you pass it with one of your joints. So you might put it in between your elbow, right? put it in your knee. Right. If you're smoking a weed, right. you like to, you give, you know, they say like pass the joint. Mm-hmm. It's because you don't want to touch it with your fingers because you don't know where your fingers have been and they're going to put it in their mouth. Right. They're going to put the it's, weed in their it's mouth. It's just about, you know, being friendly and hygienic and such. And so, and weeds culture is very, you know hygienic a lot of people keep their weeds clean they don't mm-hmm. like to keep them in like weird places like a drawer or a sock or a thing or an old lunchbox mm-hmm. um you know and, and two we also found some different oils oils yeah lots of different oils there was whale blubber infused weed oils right this is this is whales that get the weed so you can, um, treatment you can actually light an old kerosene lamp with it and get high off of the light you right. just look at the light and get high yeah off the weeds yeah and these, I mean, you know, it's not like whales can smoke a weed like we can because they no. live under the water. No. And, and that's another thing there was, too. There was actually a big dolphin tank where you could use a dolphin as a bong. Yeah. So you put some weeds in the dolphin's blowhole. Right. And then light it. And then you make you set, out with the dolphin and get high. You set the dolphin on fire and you can either make out with it. Or, you know, put your mouth on its genitals it's, and you'll get high. It's a live dolphin bong. It's super cool. I think that this former shop owner developed it with SeaWorld. SeaWorld mm-hmm. loves abusing the fuck out of animals, so it totally works together. This they is also a popular... Like beating the fucking shit out of animals. They love it. They're like... It was just, you know, came up to them and it's just like, hey, we have a new way to abuse animals. And they were like, fuck yeah, dude. Let's do it. We've already got killer whales sorted out. We abuse the fuck out of those. Have you seen how small their tank is? Yeah, we beat the shit out of them. We don't even give a fuck about humans. We throw them in the tank. Whales all pissed off. We know it. We don't give a fuck. You're doing dolphins? They were like, fuck yes. Yeah, they so were. So it's amazing. Full, full-scale full dolphin ball. And these are also very popular techniques in Japan, too. <laughs> Much like weed goo. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very... Oh, shit. I mean, it's very cool... God. It's such a cool, very and, cool and culture. Of course, beads. Beads. We have a bead curtain. Yeah, everything is bead curtains. There's no, there's, there's no, no actual curtains. It's all just the beads. cases are made of bead curtains. Right. Everything's a bead curtain. You know, we did oh find some God. weird stuff though. Some things that that True. weed aficionados like ourselves, people yeah. who are experts in weeds culture, big time weeds, we would not have expected to see, and. You know, I think the weirdest thing that we found mm-hmm. was this like man-sized bong. Large man-sized bong, very like beefy looking. Very beefy looking. Um yeah. it had a very strange aroma. Mm-hmm. Uh as somebody who's been around weeds their whole adult life. Skunk bunk. Yeah, the skunk bunk. Um That's what you're talking about. The sticky icky as somebody who's been around this stuff their whole adult life. 
you get kind of used to that certain aroma that weeds has. Um, and this, this bong did not have that aroma. It had the smell of like, how would you put it? Mm, mm, like, uh, ooh, if, mm, if somebody, uh, took, um, like a pack of, uh, cigarettes. Yeah. Okay. And, mm, put uh. them like, mm, made like a, uh, a, you know, like one of those Oklahoma cheeseburgers. With the onions? Yeah, but they did that with a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> so a cigarette And then they left that out in the rain overnight. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then a dog ate it. Mm-hmm. And then the dog took a shit. Yep. And that's kind of what that smelled like. It, it is, that, that captures it exactly. And this bong. Yeah. I mean, it was very strange. Right, but it was just... I mean, the, it was just begging for two big-time weed daddy aficionado, like, seriously, the biggest weed guys you've ever met in your life, to fucking take the world's biggest fucking bong rip. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Two fucking big, hogged-out dudes like us. Like, when you see us strut into a weed party, which we've been to many, you, you a lot of people go, oh, fuck. Here come two guys who are going to take the world's biggest fucking bong rips, dude. We ripped and we've ripped so many bongs. Like if I see a bong, I will immediately take out my tiny pocket knife and slash it. I rip that bong up. Right. We rip. We've ripped, ripped bongs. bongs. We've ripped bongs all over this country. I'll slap my Beyblade tournament fucking funnel, get my rip cord and let that bong fucking rip. And I will. It breaks into a million pieces. These things are not durable. No. They should really make them out of something other than glass. I mean, it's not even a challenge for us anymore. We've learned so much from being weed aficionados about ripping bongs. Yeah, dude. So we're like, this is perfect. This is going to be the biggest perfect. bong rip in the world. Yeah. So we notice, okay, first of all, what do you got to do with a bong? You got to like pack it yeah, dude. full of weed. Uh-huh. So the pipe on this thing was coming right out of the anus of the man. It's a man-sized bong. So we stuff it full of weeds. Yeah. And then we get out our Beyblades. Right. And we're ready to rip this fucking thing. And all of a sudden, this man-sized bong like yeah. springs to life. Right. Almost like a Pinocchio story. Almost like a Pinocchio story. Yeah, like this... You know, one of those classic multiple Pinocchio stories. But yeah, like the Pinocchio collection. Like Pinocchio 2... You know there was there I was, would again. There was there was Pinocchio uh, too. Morningwood. There was Pinocchio, an unexpected journey. Yeah. There was the Fellowship of the Puppeteers. The two whales. Yeah. And then the Return Re- of Geppetto. Ah, there it is. Yep. Return of Geppetto. Yep. This was the the Pinocchio, the Pinocchio trilogy. The Pinocchio trilogy yeah, plus the extra yeah. unexpected journey. Pinocchio. So this this bong got turned into a real boy. Yeah, it came right to before life. our eyes. It came to life. And you know, this this thing's butthole was so packed full of weeds. Yeah. Um it immediately like you know, we thought we were going to be doing the ripping. This this man-sized bong did the ripping and yeah. ripped the biggest fart in the world. Totally enveloped us in a big thing of weeds. A huge fat cloud. And it then he rolled us up yeah. in a carpet. Yeah. And packed 
tricked us into a, some a, kind of a rug weeds, from Turkey. Weeds cigarettes, which right. I wish there was a fucking term for it. We really should come up with one in the weeds communities. It would be nice if people would come up with a term for weeds cigarettes instead of just saying weeds cigarettes all the time. And then he freaking lit us on fire. Right. Smoked the whole thing. Until our whole bodies became ash. And then put us out here in the bunker. Right. Like, did one of those. You know, did the tap tap. And, did a little tap tap. And our ashen bodies reformed here in the floor of the bunker. Nude. Because our clothes got burned off. Turns out that bong was Mr. Bunker. What the fuck, man? I didn't know that. Jeez. I guess we've been doing too much weeds because... Been doing a lot of weeds lately. Because we didn't see that one coming. I gotta lay off the sticky, icky Chiba. Chiba. Yeah. I'm gonna have to... You know, the devil's lettuce, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> that That... Green-eyed monster. Oh, <laughs> that big swamp thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That thick stick. Oh, yeah. That, that uh, slimy wimey. <laughs> that Hulk's cum. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on. Hulk's pubes. You want to smoke a couple of Hulk's pubes with me, dude? You know what someone Those lizard gizzards. You know what I mean? Fuck, dude. We got so high. You know what else gets high? What? UFOs? Our better understanding of the strange phenomena when we examine it. Oh. I don't know. That doesn't sound as fun as uh, token up a little like Jolly Green Giant's loincloth. Yeah. <laughs> that does sound fun. I've been horny for the Jolly Green Giant for a long time. Why do they make him so fucking aesthetically God, pleasing? He's so sexy. Every time I open up a can of corn, I want to jerk off. I do. <laughs> it hurts. That's that's your real cream of corn special. Yeah. You got to watch out for those sharp edges on the can lids, though. You don't do it with the can. Yeah, in the can. Oh, God. Oh, it feels so good in the corn. <laughs> but I guess oh, maybe I've been, God. you know, uh, 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 uh. Maybe smoking a little too much green peas, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not the frozen kind. <laughs> no, these are alive. Uh, yeah. So that's how we got abducted this week, Beefers. Um, it's an unfortunate series of events, but we can tell you about another... Not necessarily unfortunate series of events that unfolded in Argentina in the late 1960s. I don't know. I know nothing about this. You know nothing about it, and that's why I'm going to teach you, and Boinkers, I'm going to teach you as well as we get into the pretzel encounter here on Mr. Boinkers Conspiracy Time Weedcast. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I felt good in my butthole. Giraffes, I think we've all had that experience of being in the motel owned by our parents when a strange individual shows up, shining lights all over the place, 
and paralyzing our body. It's a universal part of the human experience. That's why I think today's story is going to really connect with a lot of you. Hmm? Oh, uh, excuse me. What? I'm being told by our producer, Nick Simon, um, <laughs> www.nicksimonsexualjujitsu.com, <laughs> that this is in fact not a universal human experience <laughs> and in fact is a pretty rare occurrence. I guess I just had a lot of male visitors at my parents' motel. Huh. Anywho, the subject of today's episode, Maria Elodia Pretzel, was visited by a strange humanoid one night. The story is pretty strange and still to this day remains definitively unexplained. So let's check it out. Let's do it, baby. Let's, let's dive in. All right. So today's story begins in the country of Argentina, ah. uh, which is in South America for you geography buffs out there. Love it. Um, You've been playing sh- Wordle? <laughs> Wordle? 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 A few episodes ago, we made the claim that we could identify every country on the earth by just its shape. And Wordle uh, exists specifically to prove us wrong. <laughs> prove that we can't because uh, I didn't know where Belarus was. The very first thing that it gave me was some French owned island somewhere that I didn't. It looks like just a round little piece. Oh anyway, God, so Argentina, South America. Specifically, we're in the town of Villa Carlos Paz, which is in north central Argentina, not far from the city of Cordoba. Now, Villa Carlos Paz is a tourist town, Art. Um, It's situated among Argentina's scenic mountains. Argentina, very scenic country. Lots of beautiful landscapes in Argentina. God, I'd love to go. Yeah. Uh, Who wouldn't want to go to Patagonia? What a varied landscape. Beautiful. So this is in the mountains. And it's on the water's edge of Lago San Roque. Okay. Oh, it's beautiful. So in 1968, our protagonist, Maria Elodia Pretzel, was 19 years old and had recently undergone a surgery. So after recovery, she helped her father, Pedro J. Pretzel, operate his motel in Via Carlos Paz, which was called La Cuesta. I can't get over the I mean, I'm not trying to make, but it sounds like a name of a character I would make. Right. I always put food as people's last names. Right. This just, would be. In your in it's your a calling of, card of mine. In your version of this story, Pedro Pretzel would be the grandson <laughs> of the inventor of the pretzel. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Was that guy had Johnny Baron, Tabasco? Baron Von Pretzel. Yeah. Now, the La Cuesta Motel is still open today if you want to go visit. So you could go to Via Carlos Paz today and stay at La Cuesta. Oh, I would love to. Let's go. So La Cuesta sits roughly three kilometers. Um, you know, this is not in the United States, so a lot of these measurements are going to be metric. So for all you America heads out there like me, you'll just not have any idea how far anything was from anything else. So uh, La Cuesta. Get fucking donked on. Yeah. La Cuesta is roughly three kilometers from the town center in Via Carlos Paz. So it's not, it's not exactly like right in the center of town. In 1968, the area around the motel was developed, but not heavily so. Uh, most of the businesses near the motel were commercial in nature, and the motel itself was not situated like right on top of another business. Mm. So it's somewhat of a quiet area late at night with not many people around. An important point a little later on in this story. Wink, wink. So on June 14th, 1968, around 1 o'clock in the morning, Maria's father, Pedro, reported driving back from the town center of Via Carlos Paz uh, to the motel, the La Cuesta, driving along Route 20 in Argentina. Um, 
La Cuesta, by the way, sits along Route 20. Um, while he's driving, Pedro saw two bright red lights side by side, equal distance above the road. Pedro estimated that he was about 400 meters from the lights and was about 100 meters from the hotel. At first, he assumed these lights were taillights of a car up ahead. As he approached, though, Pedro's opinion of the lights changed. At about 70 meters from the lights, Pedro realized the lights were too far off the ground. Over a meter off the ground uh, and too far apart, they were like five to six meters apart from each other, uh, to be anything other than the most hog-crankinest monster truck. <laughs> or, you know, maybe farm machinery. I mean, whatever. Whatever. Uh, paid farm machinery is what Pedro assumed, but I'm assuming <laughs> All right. that it was a hog cranking monster truck. Yeah, it's Gravedigger. It's Gravedigger out there. Bigfoot. In Argentina along Route 20. Sure. Crushing cars in the and 1960s. Arts. Yeah, at 1 a.m. <laughs> so uh, it was too dark for Pedro to see clearly what the lights were attached to. Uh, and there were no street lights or anything in the area to help God. him get better visibility. Jesus. So thinking no more of it, Pedro turned off Route 20, drove to the motel, and parked his van. He headed to the side door of the motel, which was the entrance into the building from the parking lot. Pedro entered the motel's dining room, which was the first room on the other side of the entrance door. So the side door opens directly into the dining room. Mm. And noticed that some lights were still on in the dining room. He also noticed lights on in the kitchen and in the laundry room. Uh, these were all like, they're all kind of connected. Uh, so he could see lights on in the whole area. Now, he assumed that his daughter, Maria Elodia, must still be awake. So Pedro called out for her, but she didn't reply. Pedro made his way from the dining room, snaking his way around into the kitchen, then into the laundry room. There in the laundry room, he found Maria Elodia on the floor on her knees, leaning against a divan, head between her hands. Maria Lodia was awake, but not able to respond to her father. After she regained her composure, Maria Lodia shared the following story with Pedro. After saying goodnight to two guests, Maria Lodia left the dining room uh, to go to the adjoining kitchen and noticed an unusual amount of light was coming from the dining room. Assuming somebody turned some lights on, she went in and found a strange visitor, a large humanoid figure over two meters tall, blonde hair combed backwards, whoa, with a friendly face, who was standing not far away from her. The being was wearing some sort of a light blue jumpsuit covering its body from its neck down to its feet, like hands and feet included. Whoa. Uh, rays of light emanated from the entity's fingertips. In its left hand, the being held a crystal orb that was also emitting beams of light. Oh, Art's into this already. Yeah, dude. And What's he doing over there? He's pondering his orb, dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, I'm loving it. So this being had an orb, Art. It's a hot, shining light. Beam. And on its right hand, there was a gauntlet-like ring. Whoa. What does that mean? So, you know, like... A like Thanos? Yeah. Yeah, like Thanos. A gauntlet-like ring, though. It, like, fits around the fingers, but it's sort of like a gauntlet. It had the appearance of being like a gauntlet. So, but like... It's a ring. So Yeah. Like, it fits around the fingers, but it's, like, covering the back of the hand. Oh, wow. I like that a lot. So, according... <laughs> All right. We got our... Wound up. Woo! <laughs> oh. Dude, power gloves? 
I'm so into power gloves. Even yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. Why didn't the power glove stick around? Like the idea of the gauntlet of power, like Thanos's gauntlet was so dope. Like when you were a little kid and you would play pretend, were you like me where you were like, well, I want to have like a gauntlet that had every power possible. Right. You want a glove that you can use. Yeah. I could have like shape shift. Like I, that's why I loved Iron Man as a kid. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. oh, let's do good. Sorts of different get. I didn't have one power. I had all the powers. Yeah. I hear you. Everybody wants more power. Everybody wants to rule the world. Anyway. Sorry. According to uh, Maria Elodia, every time the being raised the hand with the gauntlet, so this is the right hand, quote, it was as though he himself rose into the air and remained suspended. Ooh. End quote. Okay, Chris Angel. Maria Elodia felt herself lose strength and fall to the ground. But when the entity lowered the gauntlet, her strength returned. The being moved calmly toward her, speaking a strange melodic language that Maria Elodia said reminded her of the Japanese language. Japanese? Well, then I think we should turn to our resident Japanophile, Art, to interpret what the being was saying for me and for all the other gaijin boinkers out there. (laughs) you baka guy gene <laughs> so uh, the entity said something like quote kling gling krish end quote well what do you think art son i am going to definitively say that is not japanese oh shit in the slightest oh fuck so this was not a japanese person <laughs> no okay well that's, that's one suspect off the list <laughs> Getting a little bit ahead of ourselves into verdicts here, huh? Definitely not a Japanese person, says Art. All right. So Maria Elodia reported feeling, quote, bubbles in her head, end quote, and feeling like she was sweating. But when she touched her neck, there was no sweat to be found. Whoa. <laughs> I wish I could say the same. This story is getting me wetter in a palm tree in monsoon season. Shoo-wee! Call me Noah because I'm moist in a biblical way. Also, my adult children often see me naked. Hoo-wee. So, Maria Elodia fled for the safety of the bar counter. What's that guy? Hoo-wee. <laughs> he's he's wet a guy. Wet guy. It's just a big old wet guy. Wet guy. The guy who's wet. Whose adult children see him naked. Like Noah. Remember that? No. Noah got drunk and got naked and his adult son saw him and his adult son got banished <laughs> for seeing his father look, naked. Look at his dad's peen. Yeah. He saw his dad's dick. Jesus. Got Christ. banished. We should go back to the biblical times. Yeah. Things Those were, were good then. rules. Yeah. You see my dick and it's my fault, but it's, you're the one who's going to get punished. Right. You, you shouldn't, you should just because I was my drunk. Dick. You shouldn't have come into my tent and saw my dick. It's like Noah singing the fucking ying ying twin song. Wait till you see my dick. To his son. <laughs> it's way more sinister. Yeah, it's much worse. And it's the son's fault. <laughs> Wet guy. Wet guy. <laughs> so <laughs> Maria Elodia fled for the safety of the bar counter, even as the entity moved the orb constantly and tried to get near her. She claimed that she could hear in her mind, as if placed there telepathically, a message that repeated, Don't be afraid. Suddenly, The light being emitted by the orb went out. The being stopped, spun around, and left for the door outside. As the entity turned, Maria Elodia was able to see it wearing something like a pleated skirt. As the being approached the door, 
The door opened by itself and closed on its own as the being passed through the doorway. Maria Elodia did not remember any more after the entity left. Not long after that, her father arrived. Daddy Pretzel. Daddy Pretzel. Miss Senor Pretzel. So, following this encounter, Maria Elodia was examined by the family doctor, Dr. Hugo V. Vagioni. Come on. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation to put on that word, but it's V-A-G-G-I-O-N-E. Vagioni. That's the right pronunciation. Now, according to Dr. Vagioni, Maria Elodia is a serious, somewhat introverted, and very responsible person. Upstanding character, Maria Elodia. Not the type to make up a story. Dr. Vagioni said Maria Elodia had a, quote, pronounced state of nerves, end quote, after the encounter. But finding her mentally and physically sound, the doctor could find no reason for uh, deception or hallucination. Maria Elodia's statements about the encounter were also consistent across multiple retellings. The entity that visited Maria Elodia that night didn't leave much behind in the way of physical evidence. Some say that traces of radioactivity were found in the motel's parking lot and in areas of the motel where the being had been. No angel hair? No angel hair. Damn. No, none of that weird cum Fuck. from the Ray aliens. Uh, via Carlos Paz, locals reported seeing, quote, two very powerful red lights, end quote, in flight near La Cuesta around 10 p.m. on the evening of June 13th. So this is just like a few hours before the encounter at the motel. So they saw these lights 10 p.m. By 1 p.m., basically, Maria Elodia is having this strange encounter in the pretzel motel, which is also what I call my tummy, pretzel motel. So years after the encounter, Dr. Oscar Galindez performed a study of Maria Elodia's claims. The piece written by Dr. Galindez appeared in the January 1981 edition of Flying Saucer Review. Dr. Galindez's version of events pretty closely follows the details of the 1968 media recountings of the encounter, which is what was presented just now. Um, but go, but Dr. Galindez's report goes into a lot of additional detail and has some interesting variations, which is what I'll present you with now. So Dr. Galindez's report says that Maria Elodia had finished with the two guests in the motel around 1.02 a.m. Roughly the same time the report says her father first saw the red lights on Route 20. According to the report, Maria Elodia walked the guests to the hotel side door, which was off of the dining room, same door her father came in, uh, and which allegedly was also used by this entity to enter and leave the motel. Maria Elodia, after saying goodbye to the guests, turned off some, but not all, lights in the dining room and made her way past the bar, through the kitchen, to the laundry room, planning to lock the rear door of the motel. As she went to lock the back door, she became aware of a bright light shining from the dining room or bar, passing through a service hatch behind the bar. Maria Elodia knew the light was too bright for the lights that had been left on in the dining room, so she assumed somebody came into the dining room and turned on some lights. A reasonable assumption. To see what was up, Maria Elodia made her way back to the dining room. As she entered the doorway between the kitchen and the back of the bar area, she saw a humanoid figure roughly seven meters away from her in front of the bar. The report says Maria Elodia described the entity as being slightly over two meters in height, estimated because the being had to duck down to avoid the doorframe, which was measured at 1.96 meters high. Maria Elodia also said the being was dressed in a one-piece jumpsuit 
covering from the neck down, including hands and feet, made of a shining light blue material that gave the impression of having scales. The jumpsuit was seemingly seamless. One solid piece of fabric. The entity wore no shoes or any foot covering other than the jumpsuit. Hmm. The figure was also wearing a blue belt at the waist. The report points out that the jumpsuit, quote, fitted the anatomy of the entity's body closely, end quote. Which I think we all know means that Maria Elodia could see the outline of this entity's hog, right? It's packing heat. He, he was packing heat. Magic gauntlet, he was packing heat. Yeah. She saw, she saw his magnum dong. Now, the report says that the figure was standing with legs apart as if it had been stopped walking mid-stride. So, like, mid-stride, feet apart. Like, <laughs> like a very funny, like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure strut. Right. <laughs> and creepily, quote, the entity was smiling the whole time, end quote. Smiling with teeth, too. Maria Elodia said the teeth were perfect and white. The being held a sphere in its left hand that appeared to be made of glass and was putting forth a pale blue, almost white, beam of light. The report describes the sphere as, quote, constantly moving forward and backwards, end quote, as the entity moved its arm back and forth. So this creature is moving its left arm constantly and moving the orb with it. Oh, like a Fushigi ball. Fushigi! It's Fushigi! You don't remember that? I don't have any idea. That's not that. your time. I know. That's this is something Fushigi. that this is something that like me and Natalie and Ian probably remember. All right. But more specifically, probably Natalie. <laughs> Tell us, Natalie, if you know this. Fushigi! Fushigi! It was a ball. It was an orb. It was a glass orb. But inside of the orb, this is why I love orbs. Inside of the orb was like a I think like another sphere. So it made it look like when you did stuff like this, that like you were like manipulating the orb through magic. Oh, I see. It's one of these like it would it was like a it was like a yeah, it's like a Tamagotchi. It's like one of those weird fad toys that came up in the early 2000s. I would say instead the entity was swinging its arm more like the pendulum of a clock. So oh, like this is way forth. different. Yeah. So he's going like yeah, he's just moving his arm constantly back and forth. Jesus, okay. And a little, so, little less Fushigi. And holding the holding the uh Fushigi. The orb. Fushigi. It was a Fushigi. Um, that was in the report, too. It says Fushigi all over it. That's what it's actually called. <laughs> and I'm not just saying fucking weird words. <laughs> yeah, Fushigi ball. Okay. Yeah, baby. Fushigi. All right, well. Fushigi, hit us up. Sponsorship. Yep. I'll go play with your Fushigi all day. Yeah. Fushigi company. I'll rub your Fushigi balls. <laughs> Give me your orb, baby. I'll fuck it out. Yeah, you play with the Fushigi balls. So now, all right, while observing all of this, Maria Elodia also noticed the side door of the motel was open, open, assuming that the being had entered through that door. The report says that Maria Elodia experienced a couple of weird feelings. Born in a barn? Yeah, I mean, shut the damn door. We're not trying to heat all of Argentina. Good God. I am wet. <laughs> oh, no, it's the wet guy. It's the wet guy's back. Fucking <laughs> oh, wet guy. Oh, my Thanks God. for dropping by, wet guy. So uh, here are the, here are the uh, weird feelings that Maria Elodia felt in the presence of this being. She felt like her body was being stretched lengthwise. I'm waiting for it. Especially in the face, like she was getting taller. Mm-hmm. So like she's on a, like a medieval rack or something. 
Uh, quote, she explained that the sensation was in a way rather like the effect of those distorting mirrors that one sees in amusement centers, mm-hmm. end quote. So Maria Lodi is getting the full funhouse treatment here. Yeah. Uh, Maria Lodi also said that she tried to call for help, but found herself unable to. She described her brain as being occupado or busy. Uh, all she found she could do was put her hands on her head, which is how she stayed throughout the encounter completely still. Maria Elodia then heard a clear voice inside her ear saying, don't be afraid, but in Spanish. So presumably it was saying, no tengas miedo. Don't be, af- do not be afraid in Spanish. Uh, and the voice continued to repeat these words for a while. Soon Maria Elodia became aware that she was grabbing onto the bar counter, despite not having any recollection of having moved from the spot where she first saw the being. So she had moved without awareness and now is grabbing onto the bar counter, mm-hmm. which was a little bit uh, away from where she entered the room. Uh, she was now only about three meters away from the strange visitor, though the being hadn't moved. Only Maria Alodia had gotten closer. Maria Alodia began to feel a sensation like her legs went to sleep. You know that feeling when your leg falls asleep after you've been on the toilet for like 45 minutes and it's all tingly and like pins and needles are inside there? Tried 20. Yeah, I mean, I just go way past that. Okay, mister, can take a shit in 20 minutes. No, my leg falls asleep. Must be nice to be you. Well, Maria Elodia felt that toilet pain uh, from this point on through the rest of the encounter. Uh, she felt like her body was asleep? Just the legs, like the lower, the lower oh, part of her body. That's awful. That's some of the worst shit in the world. So she's standing there, can't move, and it feels like her legs are like yeah, asleep. That- it, it, that tingly feeling. It feels like your legs look like a TV that doesn't have reception. Yeah, exactly. So she felt that way throughout the duration of the encounter. Oh my God. So at this point, the visitor raised its right arm to shoulder height and the right hand fingers began to strobe beams of light. So the fingers, light coming from the fingers. This is not the gauntlet hand or it is the gauntlet? This is the gauntlet hand oh, now, the right fuck. hand. So Maria Elodia noticed oh, a rectangular device oh. like a gauntlet on the back of the entity's right hand. The device covered the fingers emitting the beams of light. At this point, Maria Elodia described feeling her body lose strength and start to fall backwards as basically all the muscles in her body relaxed at once. Whoa. The feeling of falling stopped just before her head hit the floor. The report says between 20 and 25 centimeters from the floor. This is awful. And at that point, she felt herself standing back up but not of her own power. Oh my God. Like something was lifting her up off. This sucks, dude. Yeah. This is not fun. (laughs) No, this is a bad, bad place to be. Maria Elodia once again, grabbed onto the bar counter when she gets upright. And as soon as uh, Maria Elodia was picked up off the floor, the entity raised its right arm again, causing Maria Elodia to experience the full body muscle relaxation and falling sensation all over again. Oh, This time, she fell toward her right and stopped falling just before her right shoulder hit the ground. Once again, she found herself being raised to standing. And once again, Maria Elodia found herself grabbing the bar counter. Dr. Galindez described Maria Elodia's falls as the actions of a weeble wobble. Uh, Though the doctor used more eloquent language and didn't actually say weeble wobble, we know that's the implication. He described it like one of these toys that almost falls over but then writes itself. It's a weeble wobble. I know what it is. I'm no dummy. 
<laughs> Just say the name. The implication is that she had a fat bottom. <laughs> so at this point, the being began to come toward Maria Elodia. She said the being moved slowly, putting one foot directly in front of the other with the toes of one foot touching the heel of the foot in front of it. Ooh. The entity continued to smile unsetting, unsettlingly. Oh, I mean, I added the word unsettlingly. That wasn't in the report, but to me, I don't know. I have this very unsettling image of this yeah. creep fucking smiling and just staring. Yeah, this is you're just basically describing an encounter of, of what it's like to meet me for the first time. Right, yeah. Is what is, you're getting at, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is exactly That's somewhere what it's, in the script. Yeah, this is exactly what it's like to meet you for the first time. And every time thereafter, <laughs> it never gets better. So up until this point, Maria Alodi hadn't noticed that the being's toes were also emitting beams of light, just like on the right hand. She described it as though the light was coming from the fingernails or toenails, which she couldn't clearly see if those existed or not. But that's where it was coming from. Oh. Without warning, the light from the orb in the entity's left hand, quote unquote, went out. Now, to Maria Elodia, the orb appeared dark blue in color. She also noticed the light in the orb seemed to be coming from little cones on the sphere. So there's little cone-shaped things on the outside of the sphere. Okay, so his fushigi ball. Right. Has like bugles on it. Yeah, basically, it's like somebody glued bugles to the outside of a fushigi ball. And those were where the light was coming from. Okay, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of fucking details in this. And you can check the show notes. There's pictures, like artist renderings of this. Oh, fuck. I'm going to check that out right now and jerk off. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, participate in the Yeah, the there's, some, there's some drawings um, of it uh, available, so you can see. So um, when the orb went dim, Maria Elodia also stopped hearing the words, no tengas miedo. The being raised its left arm to a 90-degree position compared to the body. The entity stood completely still for a few seconds then turned on its heels and started slowly walking, heel to toe, toward the motel side door. Maria Elodia noticed that the visitor was wearing a pleated skirt on the back of its suit, which obscured the rear view of its belt. The entity had to duck down to get out of the side door, but once it got outside, the door closed behind it. Maria Elodia did not know if the being actually touched the door or not. As soon as the being disappeared, the feeling Maria Elodia had where her legs were asleep went away. Maria Elodia found herself able to move and stumbled to the laundry room, falling to her knees against the divan, hand, head in hands, where her father found her shortly thereafter. Pedro Pretzel said that when his daughter was finally able to respond to him, at first all she could say was, quote, a man, a man, end quote. Pedro searched the motel inside and out looking for the man, but found nothing in the way of physical evidence. There were no footprints found anywhere around the motel, Pedro did notice, though, that the red lights he saw while driving were now gone. Expanding on the red lights, Dr. Galindez says that in 1968, Route 20 was too narrow to accommodate large farm equipment, like a harvester, uh, plus regular old automobiles. So, if what Pedro had seen when he was driving was in fact like a big combine, it would not have been able to be on the road with any other car traffic. So this would have been particularly disruptive. Okay, I've looked up a photo of the creature. Yeah. The gauntlet looks like brass knuckles. Yeah. And he looks like David Bowie. <laughs> this was David Bowie. This was David Bowie, yeah. 1968 in Argentina. This is David Bowie with that fucking orb from Labyrinth. There you go. Case closed. It's the end of today's episode, Beefers. <laughs> this is a wild looking thing, man. It's pretty wild. You got to look up the photos, Beefers. 
the 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 description doesn't do it justice. You should check out the photos. So Maria Elodia was obviously Weird. pretty shaken up by the encounter, and that oh, feeling shit. lasted several days, and seemed to be made worse by the onset of her period, which. I mean, of all the fucking shit you're dealing with, and now you're getting your period too? Fuck me. The hits keep coming. Maria Elodia also began experiencing intermittent tingling in her legs, like she felt in the presence of the entity. She also began waking up at night hearing the words, no tengus miedo. Maria admittedly was unsure if these were bona fide experiences or if she was just recalling strongly the events of the encounter. Like having... Right, right. I don't know, like... Phantom feelings. Yeah, like a PTSD sort of thing. Right. Anywho, Dr. Galindez's report also notes that Maria Elodia was examined by the family doctor, Dr. Hugo Vagioni. But the Galindez report says that Dr. Vagioni recommended Maria Elodia get out of town for a little while. So Pedro sent her away for three weeks to the Argentine city of Salta. What a diagnosis. Just get the fuck out of here. Chill out. Take a little fucking vacation. So, getting into further analysis, Dr. Galindez estimates that the being was in the hotel for about four minutes total. This is based on Maria Elodia's recounting of the events. She saw the guests off around 1.02 a.m., went back to the laundry, came back to the front, had the encounter, went back to the laundry for a couple of minutes, then Pedro entered the hotel at about 1.10 a.m. So, all of this happened very fast. Maria Elodia described the being as looking like a man aged 30 to 35 years old. She also described the entity's physique as similar to that of a ballet dancer saying, quote, he looked like a ballet dancer, end quote. The being skin. <laughs> yeah, you're, wow, you're right. That, I, that's how I would interpret that statement. <laughs> she the, did say that. The being skin was pale white. Its hair was so blonde as to appear almost white. The entity had a shortcut on its hair, which was combed back and no eyebrows. You're Maria Elodia said the facial feature seemed German. Maria Elodia believed the entity to be a, quote, being of flesh and bone, end quote. She did not believe it was a hologram or a robot of some kind of medical construction, mechanical construction. Maria Elodia believed the sphere was a type of sensor, only ceasing to produce light when her father approached the motel. That was her interpretation of it. The encounter was totally silent, meaning that the words Maria Elodia heard in her ear were not spoken by the entity, but were almost placed there telepathically. Now, while that agrees with the earlier media reports, one thing absent from Dr. Galindez's report is the part about the entity speaking that quote-unquote Japanese-like language. Right. Maria Elodia never detected any type of strange odor during the event, the event uh, and there were, all, there were no other possible witnesses as the last two guests were seen out of the dining room by Maria Elodia before the entity arrived. She was completely alone in the dining room. In the immediate wake of the encounter, no strange phenomena were observed at the motel. Now, Argentine author Alejandro Agostinelli wrote a piece for UFO Press in the uh, October 1983 issue. The piece is something of a revisit to the pretzel case 15 years after the fact. Agostinelli prefaces the piece by talking about another piece in UFO Press, issue number 15, where they ran a report by a psychologist who analyzed Dr. Galindez's report on Maria Elodia's encounter. Phew. Please. Now, Agostinelli says that the reason UFO Press ran the psychologist's piece was because there was some disagreement about what happened to Maria Elodia. Some say a definitive explanation has been found, while others believed more investigation was needed. 
Now, while I couldn't find the actual piece by this psychologist, it seems like the point of the piece was debunking the idea that some type of non-human entity visited Maria Elodia that night. Because of the kerfuffle, UFO Press sent a correspondent to Argentina to talk with Maria Elodia and attempt to, quote, refute the article appearing in UFO Press, Hmm. end quote. Uh, The correspondent found Maria Elodia at her home, hiding inside with all the blinds closed. Uh, Maria told the reporter she'd had health problems ever since the encounter. She mostly blamed the health problems on her mental state, which was damaged by the ridicule she suffered at the hands of the people of Via Carlos Paz. The reporter talked to some locals and found out what they said about the incident. They said Maria Elodia had a secret boyfriend who only came over when Pedro Pretzel was gone from La Cuesta. On the unhappy evening of June 14, 1968, the locals say Maria Elodia's lover came over while Pedro was gone and fled the motel just before Pedro returned. Maria Elodia thought she would get in big trouble. There's no way her father didn't see her fuck buddy running off from the motel, right? Her fear of Pedro's response led her to break down in tears. But when Pedro arrived and was confused as to why she was crying, the locals think she made up the story about the hogged-out orb-wielding entity to throw her father off the trail. Augustinelli closes by saying that basically the jury is still out and more information is needed in this case to know what the actual truth is. Wait, you said that the townspeople didn't like her? They were being ridiculed? They were, she was getting ridiculed? She was ridiculing her. They said she was a slut. Oh, okay. She was fucking this guy and that's But they weren't was, like together. She made up the whole story and yeah. they got all this attention for okay. it and it was just her fucking this dude. Right. So, interestingly... There were other reports in Argentina of strange encounters from around the time of Maria Elodia's encounter in 1968. For instance, take this one reported near Buenos Aires on June 4th, 1968, not long before Maria Elodia's encounter, as told by Flying Saucer Review. Quote, walking home after midnight, artist Benjamin Solari Paravicini was suddenly confronted by a fair-skinned man with eyes so light in color that he looked as if blind who addressed him in an unintelligible, guttural language. It wasn't me. Looking upward, the witness saw only 50 yards away a hovering aerial craft with no lights. He became dizzy, and when he recovered, he found himself inside the machine with three other persons. One of these, very handsome, was questioning Paravicini in an alien language which he was able to understand telepathically. They told him that they would take. they had taken him once around the earth and he observed Japan, France, and Chile before being returned to the same street corner. Since this experience, the alien beings have contacted Parvincini several times. Mm. Or how about this one from around June 10th, 1968 in Cordoba, Argentina, which again is not far from Via Carlos Paz. This is also very close to June 14th. Quote, a youth stated that he had been visited by a strange being whose body emitted rays of light and who spoke a strange language he did not recognize no other information. Whoa. End quote. Also, this from Ominous. June 10th, 1968 in Cordoba. Uh, same day in Cordoba. Quote, Jorge Yaru, a member of the Argentine Navy, stepped out of his home to hear a very loud engine-type noise. Looking around, he sees nothing and re-enters the house. Soon he again hears the noise and goes outside to investigate. Looking toward a nearby empty field, he sees a hovering disc-shaped object with a dome on top and one in the bottom. He estimates the craft to be about 1.5 meters in width and 6 meters in length. The craft was rotating in anti-clockwise manner. 
He watched the object for 45 minutes. I mean, I guess he doesn't have a lot going on. <laughs> and then the craft shoots away at a 90 degree angle toward the nearby wooded hills. Mr. Yaru then feels a strange urge to bathe in a nearby brook, which he does, notwithstanding the very low temperature at the time. Oh, well, no. He strangely felt as he had to, quote unquote, cleanse himself. At the same time, a neighbor, Adela Garcia, heard the same noise and noticed in the same empty field a strange triangular-shaped cloud from which a giant man-like figure, over two meters tall with long blonde hair, descended to the ground. The strange being, which Garcia likened to Jesus Christ, approaches her and she kneels before him. Turning away briefly from the being, she looks up and both the being and the triangular-shaped cloud had vanished. At the empty field, a large scorched area of grass was found. End quote. Now, here's one from June 14th, 1968, same date of Maria Elodia's encounter, uh, but this is from the port city of Nicochea, which is not that close to Via Carlos Paz. It's closer to Buenos Aires. Uh, quote, am you having trouble with the geography? Yes, I don't know cities. Okay. I can name certain states or certain countries. Sorry. But not anything in those countries. Not the cities. So this is sort of like... Uh, if like Villa Carlos Paz is in the like north central yeah. part of Argentina, this would be like south uh, east of there along okay. along the shore. So like right up along the Atlantic Ocean. You got it. It's a port city. Uh, so quote, Catolicio Fernandez, a farmer, was in bed resting when two very tall human-like figures appeared in his room. They were thin and wore tight-fitting green shiny coveralls. The men sat on the edge of the witness bed and one of them raised his hand, making the witness feel dizzy. He then lowered it and the witness felt better. They then left. No other information. End quote. Whoa. And finally, this story from Santa Fe, Argentina on June 24th, 1968. This was provided to Flying Saucer Review by Dr. Galindez. Okay. Quote, the witness, Mrs. Dora Egger de Torres, was sleeping with her husband, when she suddenly awake was suddenly awakened by a strong buzzing sound that was hurting her ears. Husky bee. When she turned around, she noticed on the corner of the bedroom an oval-shaped light and inside of it two human-like figures. One tall, about two meters in height, and the second only about 50 or 70 centimeters in height. There's a little short guy. Short king. Yeah. Both wore tight-fitting metallic brown diving suits and Hell helmets yeah. with plastic visors that covered their faces. The shorter creature seemed to move its hands and walk toward the witness, who suddenly felt a sort of burning sensation in her body. The shorter figure appeared to have uh, noticed and retreated backwards. The taller figure at times walked around the shorter humanoid, at times showing his back. When the witness attempted to wake her husband, the shorter figure again approached and she felt paralyzed and could not move her hand, which seemed to bump against something invisible. She is not sure how long the observation lasted. The humanoids seemed to have communicated with her and she felt that they had told her that they would return someday. However, she did not hear any words being spoken and did not notice their lips moving. Finally, the oval-shaped light and its occupants seemed to suddenly shrink in size until vanishing from sight along with the loud buzzing sound. Only at that moment was Dora able to wake her husband, punching him really hard on the stomach. She found it, uh, He found his wife okay. in an extremely excited state, repeating the phrase, they will return. End quote. You have to punch me in the stomach, though? <gasps> what the fuck? <laughs> Dora, god damn it. 
<laughs> I didn't know this guy was from Santa Fe, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Dora. <sighs> Holy cow, bunkies. What the heck is going on in Argentina? Oh, my God. It's wild down there. Seems like everywhere you turned in 1968, you were being visited by some kind of humanoid wearing a jumpsuit. Maybe these were just hippies, but I'm doubtful. What's interesting is that some say 1968 was a particularly active year for UFO sightings and related encounters worldwide. Whoa. Maybe Maria Elodia was just caught up in some sort of big ET effort spanning the globe. Or maybe she was just banging her boyfriend in the motel dining room, a classic romantic scenario, Mm. when they nearly got discovered by her father. Rom-com movie written all over it. Mm. And hey, maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Maybe Maria Elodia was having hot sex with an extraterrestrial being and really didn't want her father to know that he was shining his quote-unquote beams of light all over her bussy and making her legs weak. Look, I don't know what the truth is, and no matter how many increasingly depraved erotic scenarios I think of, nothing gets me to that definitive answer. So let's all just take a minute and let the blood return to our brains. If we think long and hard about this encounter... I think we can maybe come up with the truth. (laughs) Until then, we know what's entering through our back doors. It's the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. Welcome back. That was our research of the pretzel encounter in Argentina. Art, it's quite a strange story, is it not? You tell me this one was going to be so steamy, Andy. <laughs> it's sexy as fuck. It's a sexy one. We got naked Noah. We got his adult son looking at his cock. We've got Maria Elodia fucking everybody in town and extraterrestrials banging on that puss all day long. Man, this is so fucking sexy. Yeah. Pedro Pretzel's watching his daughter get a train run on her by ETs from another planet. Ugh. She's getting <laughs> fucked by beams of light. The family dog is involved. Oh, and the boy. talent agent says, what the hell do you call it? Jesus Christ, what an act. And Pedro says, the pretzel encounter. <laughs> Art, what do you make of this guy, this being? Oh, he's a cool dude. I still stand by my statement earlier. He sounds like David Bowie. You're into this creature because it's got an orb. Ah, oh, I love an orb. You give someone an orb and I'm just... I'm there. I love an orb. What can I say? I wanted one of those Fushigi balls when I was a kid. I never got one. Why? I was, as a kid, I was so, advertising worked so well on me. I wanted every toy, 
every gimmick, every piece of shit thing they put on TV. I was like, oh, my God, mom, dad, I need this for Christmas, my birthday, whatever. Uh, whatever it was, I just I I had so many goofy toys and little fucking things. And um, yeah, I just I loved stupid shit like that, man. So for the first time ever, I'm looking up this Fushigi ball. Fushigi! Yeah, it's an orb. Love an orb, man. Fushigi magic gravity ball. Amazing. Mysterious. Mind-blowing. Mesmerizing. Magical. Okay, Bushigi ball. Bushigi ball. Hey, check it out, Beefers. I love a good orb. I think that I think an image of a wizard pondering his orb is just funny to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think carrying around a big glass ball is really fucking funny. And this dude's I palming play a this D&D orb. Character who's a wizard who needs to have a big glass orb now. Let's talk about this guy. This guy could be a basketball player. He's palming this orb. Yeah, he was palming that orb, man. He was. Uh, he was basically a freaking uh, NBA superstar. Monstars. Looks like. Um, do you think this was Dirk Nowitzki? I wasn't going to say Dirk. I was going to say, uh, I think it was John Bradley. I remember, he was the center in the Monstars during that era of Space Jam. Fuck. I don't know. I don't remember his name. Um, He got... I don't remember hardly any of the players. And I'll be honest, it's really hard to tell which players are in the latest LeBron James iteration of Space Jam. I've never seen it. Um, Did you see it? Yeah, I've seen it several times. Oh, wow. Oh, Scott, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love it. I can't get enough of it. Um, LeBron James is my favorite actor. Uh, and I hope he... I think it's a crime that he didn't win an Oscar for Space Jam. The uh, re-jamming, which I think is the subtitle of that movie. Um, So this guy is like holding this orb, but it's got all this light coming off of it. And his fingers have got light. His toes have got light. Huh? Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley. That's who it was. Ed Bradley's uh, brother, Sean Bradley from 60 Minutes. Um, what do you think is the point of all these beams of light? You think these are like uh, uh, sensors? Um. Sean Bradley was famous for some reason. I think he got posterized by somebody. Sorry, I'm going down this Sean Bradley rabbit hole. <laughs> That's who he looks like. He looks like Sean Bradley. Um, God, Sean Bradley's famous for some reason. He's like he was really good at basketball, but there's like some other. Either he got posterized or it was something. Somebody fucking put him on a poster. Which, speaking of NBA posters, you know the posterization has gotten too extreme in the NBA. Oh wow, he was this. His nickname was the Storm and Mormon. Yeah, he was the LDS guy. He's a giant. But um, what were you saying about orbs? What does this orb do? Wow, he got hit by a car. He was riding his bike in 2021, and now he's paralyzed. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, that's awful. Um, what was the question? You were talking to me about orbs. What about orbs? What were you asking me about the orb? What do you think about all these beams of light coming off of his fingers and his toes and the orb? What's the purpose of this? I don't know. Um, it didn't seem like a classic abduction story. Uh, I think it's odd that it's... I think it's odd that there's 
so many of them, right? I think that's a little weird, don't you think? So many beams of light, you mean? No, uh, similar encounters. Oh, of similar like encounters. Just kind of meeting in an extraterrestrial being and then there being lots of light and then them like saying things to people and it's all in Argentina. Yeah, I think that it's... That was, that was something that I probably found the most interesting is that there were so many... So many similar encounters that happened about the exact same time. Like, I just sort of wonder, you know, Maria Elodia's encounter wasn't the first one. Did some of this other stuff maybe leach into her mind? Maybe she's had some kind of like other type of normal, just human experience and had this like hallucination or something of this encounter that was brought on by, um, you know, all the local news maybe about UFO sightings and encounters with extraterrestrials. Yeah. Maybe she was having sleep paralysis. It does kind of a little bit sound like a sleep paralysis kind of thing, especially with the way that she felt like she was falling, but then didn't fall, but like she's half asleep, but she couldn't control herself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. It feels very much like, um, I don't know. Like like it's a very got a very very sleep paralysis feeling to me. Cuz like, you know, no evidence of anything found at the motel. Um just this singular encounter um and you know Yeah, I don't really but I I mean, but the thing is, I feel like if it's sleep paralysis, then why hasn't it occurred again? Well, that's a good point. And you that's something I like can't answer. Singular sleep paralysis. Yeah. It's like, uh, I guess most people have a recurrence of it, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, cause it was a while. They obviously, um, Dr. Galindez was studying this several years after the fact, um, that piece appeared in 1981. The event happened in 1968. So we're talking 13 years post the event without any mention of a like recurring issue with sweet sleep paralysis. And the piece is very thorough, so I would think if they found some evidence or this came up at all, uh, that would have been a feature. In they didn't find any sort of diagnosis for her in any other capacity, like no, and it just happened the one time. Yeah, just the one time. Basically, the doctor Vagioni said that uh, she was, you know, in good health. Otherwise, that this was a you know a severe like a trauma type event for her, like in terms of her nerves, that she was just very upset by this encounter, but no other reason to suspect that she might be having delusions or hallucinations. So she's like a relatively uh, stable, well-regarded person who has this one singular event. It ends up leading to a lot of ridicule from townspeople who say, oh, she was just like having sex with some guy behind her father's back. And then that being like something to mock her for. So, uh, Agostinelli sort of, um, treats Maria Elodia's story as like a tragic one that she had this encounter. She's, you know, a seemingly upstanding person who gets her reputation tarnished by this thing that was like completely out of her control. And then it leads her to be like a recluse, a hermit, Hidden away from the rest of the world because for the rest of her life, well, at least up until that point, I didn't find any follow ups after that, mm-hmm. like reporting on this. Oh, wait, so like before the encounter, she was a recluse, 
No, before that, she was fine. She oh, was but after person. she was a recluse. Right, because, you know. People were making people fun of her she was so loose. Much. Yeah. Banging anybody who comes into town from outer space. AETs, you need a landing spot? How about Maria Lodi's <laughs> vagina? Park your space crap. Park your space hog in there. Jesus Christ. Oh, God, I'm so wet. Um, oh, Jesus, the wet guy. Oh, it's moist. You can call me a wet nap. Because <laughs> I am folded up and soggy. Um, I don't know, man. It's weird. Yeah, it's the, the whole singular thing is kind of weird about it, right? It only happened that, the one time, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of other people experiencing similar stuff too. I don't know what that if that sways me any which way, right? Like you, you I kind of feel like if you had alien encounters, you would ex- maybe expect them to happen more than once. But I guess the fact that they're only happening once, I don't know. Why that almost singular? makes it seem more believable, right? Maybe because like I can agree with you that if there were a bunch of stuff happening around the same time, similar things. Kind of makes sense. Like, this ET is in the area, like checking out humans. Yeah, it's like visiting on vacation on holiday. Right, soaking up the local culture, trying to book a room at a motel. Yeah, having himself a big tasty steak with some chimichurri. Right. Mm. Headed to the coast, check out the beach. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes sense hanging out with his orb. Right, just letting his orb. I think the orb is his best friend. Yeah. His little pet. I like to imagine that his best friend's soul is inside the orb. And if you're lucky, they'll capture your soul in there too. Oh, wow. It's a soul capture. It's a a dream. He's got a lot of gadgets. Yeah. A lot more than we normally encounter. Yeah, a lot of times, you know. He's like, I got my fucking brass knuckle gauntlet thing. I've got my orb. I've got my orb's cones. He's got beams of light coming out of everything. Beams of light out of every which way, which makes you leave. What about his butt? What about his peen? Right. Light coming out of there. You have to imagine that when he pulls his, when he takes off his jumpsuit, like lights coming out of his urethra, lights coming out of his asshole. Right. Um, what do you make of, um, say like the, the stuff that happened to Maria Elodia during the encounter? She's feeling tingly in her legs oh dude those are some of the muscles give out worst feelings you ever like uh you ever get like a fever or get sick and you you're lying in bed and it feels like um you you got your eyes closed and it feels like either the whole room is expanding or the whole room is contracting yeah you ever get that feeling yeah i feel like she was experiencing that plus the uncomfortableness of having your legs fall asleep when you're taking a shit which is something we both know too well and probably everybody listens to the show knows that very well. Yeah. A lot of people turn on our podcast and say like, Oh, I'm just going to listen to this real quick while I take a shit. And then three and a half hours later, yeah. their legs have completely fallen off from blood loss. Dude. It's the worst. Cause it doesn't go. There's no way to make it go way faster. No, you just got to stand up and just fucking grit your teeth through it and Stum- hang on to your sink. Stumble like a baby rhinoceros over to the sink. <laughs> That's the worst is when you take a step while they're asleep and it feels like pins and needles all up and down your legs. You're like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, and it depends on the, what you step on, too. Like, 
you know, like the surface that you step on. What's your bathroom made out of? Tile. Is it? And then there's, then I've got little mats, you know, and the mats feel better than the tile. Yeah. It's a little softer cushion. The funniest part of that is like the scene of that has to be so fucking funny. Yeah. If anybody saw me, cause I always shit completely naked. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're taking your shit. So your pants are around your ankles. You do your business. You wipe. Of course. You're I undress a, completely. I fold no, my no, clothes. No, you are a, you are like me. You are a based Giga Chad stand up wiper. Not a fucking sit down. No, wiper. no, 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 no. Sit down wiper. Do not call, do not call me a stand up wiper. I am a sit down wiper. I am a stand up wiper. Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's not weird. It's weird. Stand up wipers, bunk funkers. I need you. Come to my aid. I am calling the the horn of stand up wiping. <laughs> Where were the stand up wipers when Gondor fell? <laughs> the wipers of Rohan. You need. I need you. Come to my aid, please. I am being attacked by these orcish, disgusting sit-down wipers. How do you? I don't even know how they reach their crusty buttholes by not by not standing up. You get more reach. You get more surface area. Anyway, so you wipe. You do your business. You flush. You of course use the whole roll of toilet paper, much like myself. One roll per shit. Right. You flush, but then you're standing up and it, you're immediately like that. Your legs are flush with pins and needles. So if you're like me, you have to like immediately brace yourself against the wall with your pants still around your fucking ankles. And so if anyone saw that, like, I feel like that's just such an amazing sight. Just like you being like, oh, wait. Oh, God. Hang on. Oh, God. And just like your pants are around your ankles. The worst is if you have to shit in a public setting. Yeah, yeah, you ever done that in a public setting? And you have to like brace yourself against the stall. And you're just standing there and like- Your pants, you can't pull your pants up because you'll fall down. So like you just, if anybody's watching your feet from underneath the stall, like that gap in the stall to the floor, like- Which is what I imagine all other people in the bathroom are doing. They're just like, what's what's going down under there? Is this guy shitting? What are you doing? I guess for you, it's people are having that thought anyway, (laughs) even if your legs aren't asleep because they're like, this guy just stood up. Two minutes ago, and he still hasn't pulled his pants up because you're just wiping. <laughs> you disgusting sit-down wiper. I'm a sit-down wiper, and I'm proud of it. How do you even reach back there? What do you mean? Explain yourself. You don't think I can reach my own butthole with my arm? You're sitting down. You think my butt is out of reach from my arm? You're sitting down. Explain I touch my butthole right now. So you go from the back, not the front? What, you like reach around? Yeah, reach around your dick and balls. Why would I do that? I have no concept of how this works. I've always stood up to do Do you wipe shit. down? Like toward your balls? No. I do reverse credit card. <laughs> it's from taint. Well, yeah, that's how back. you have to do it. Some people might not. I don't know. That's a terrible idea. You're going to schmear shit. Those people are the real You're going to schmear shit all over your dick. Your dick and balls are going to be covered in shit. Why are you like combing? You're like fucking scooping shit out of your ass. Yeah. What are you doing with it? I'm getting it on the toilet paper. Most That's of what rest, I'm doing. The bulk of it's in the bowl. Well, yeah. I'm not saying I have a bunch left over. <laughs> you're making it sound like you're smearing shit. Like you're working at you Einstein could. bagels. You could. The, the, the going up the other way, uh, there's a natural break in the butt uh, crack from the bones. Uh, you don't have that uh, going the other way. You're going to drag it. So, okay, so you're sitting down and you reach behind yourself and you 
But I just feel like you can't get that much angle of motion because you're just using wrist. I've got my entire shoulder, elbow. I've got my whole arm when I stand up. <laughs> I don't need that much torque. <laughs> it's not like I got to remove lug nuts to wipe my ass. You don't? I don't believe you. You're lying. This ass is all natural. It's not bolted on. I don't need that much torque. I don't know. I've always done it that way. No one taught me how to fucking... I don't know. I feel like you're... My fucking parents, I guess. I guess they taught me how to take a shit. I don't know. I guess so. Who teaches you to take a shit? I guess Does one your of parents. your parents stand up and wipe their asses? I don't know what my parents do in the bathroom because I don't watch them. Call your dad right now and ask him how he wipes his ass. <laughs> Bug fuckers, everybody, a- call your parents right now if they're still alive. Ask him, how do you take a shit and what did you teach me to Did you shit? sit or stand to wipe? I'm a stand wiper. I, don't, I, I, I stand by it. All right. Literally. We, all right. Bunk bunkers, you got to let us know. Do you sit or stand to wipe? I'm got, very curious. We got to know. This. Who's a sitter? Who's a stander? I'm sitter all the way. I don't understand the point of wiping up I, or standing up. I feel like standing up pushes the butt cheeks together and smears if there's any, if there's it's any resin. Smearing. What is it? Eat more fiber. What the fuck is this smearing? Anything can happen. happen. Anything can happen. Sometimes you don't have control over this. <laughs> Sometimes you have an awful diarrhea. I think I have a stronger sphincter than you. Maybe. I'm more control over my sphincter. Maybe so. Maybe I just don't have very good sphincter control. You get a loose sphincter. But I'm sitting and wiping. The butt, mm-hmm. the butt's spread open. It's the optimal way to get clean. You can really get in there. I guess the real best way is a bidet. The bidet is the way. The bidet is the, op- the, bidet is the way. I don't have a bidet at home, though. No, we're not. We're not at that level yet. On this podcast, maybe a couple more patrons and both of us can afford some fucking bidets, huh? Yeah, if only uh, patrons, if only a few more people would go to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod and just for five bucks a month get access to all so much content that yeah. uh, they don't have access to today and also help us get bidets in our homes. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, this orb. Yeah, what about this guy? So, this guy who is obviously um, a stand up wiper because he's fucking weird. He, um, <laughs> He's got all these beams of light. What do you think the purpose of the beams of light are? To paralyze. Oh. And clearly to paralyze. Oh. Um, he's got a lot of different magic powers, right? So he can float. He's got telekinesis. He's got tele- telepath- telepathy. 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 He can, um, what else the fuck else can he do? He can like manipulate people, it seems. Yeah. I guess that's telekinesis. But, um, Clearly, he's, like, making her feel a certain way, too, so he can, like, control emotions and stuff. Yeah, he's basically paralyzing her. Yeah. And these feelings that she's feeling are not fun. It, I don't know. It's like you want to write it off and say, like, okay, well, it's clear she's having, like, a fucking stroke or some shit. Like, mm-hmm. or it's like, I don't know, a mental breakdown. But it's like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it followed anything. Yeah. Like, there's no follow-up. If you had a stroke, it's like, okay, well, you had a stroke. Yeah. Yeah, they would have been able to probably tell that medically, right? You would think. And you know, hey. Some kind of aneurysm? I don't know. I mean, this is gets lumped in as like an E.T. story. But it's not necessarily so. No. Uh, because she even says she thought it was flesh and bone. She described it as a man. Um, so I think this- it's odd that it's like, you know, obviously Argentina has a big history with Germany. Mm-hmm. And it's odd Hitler that- Hitler famously lives there. <laughs> Hitler is still alive there. Yes, that's correct. 
And it's odd that, um, you know, this is a very kind of German, almost Aryan looking creature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Which I think is odd. Yeah. Now, were the other ones, the other Argentinian sightings, were those also kind of like Aryan sort of looking critters? That I don't know for sure. Though. Yeah, they describe them in different ways with like jumpsuits and light and shit. Mm -hmm. We've, 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 across plenty of alien encounters, beams of light is a fucking common trope, right? Right. You know, large beam of light. Um, Who's to say this though is not some like, um, I don't know, like security agency type of uh, investigation, right? Like testing out new technology. Like maybe these beams of light are, Whoa. you know, like think about the fuck. Think about those like video games that cause seizures. It's like some kind of MK Ultra shit. Yeah, like they're using beam instead of like using beams of light and like low wave uh, radio frequency to control your body. Whoa, I didn't even consider that. Think about that. Well, now I am. Yeah, maybe this is some sort of government thing. Like we don't know exactly what. Maybe the, that's why I'm a stand up wiper. We don't maybe know. Maybe I was experimented on as a kid. Right. Maybe so. Someone I mean, MK Ultra'd me, I and now imagine, I stand up to wipe. I can't imagine anybody doing this of their own volition. So I have to assume that that's true. Like, do you stand fully up or are you like squatting over the toilet? Still? I stand fully up, but then I do give a little bit of a squat to open up the anus to get the maximum amount of torque, I guess. Yeah. See, the anus is already open when you're sitting. Gaping. It's just more of a power stance. I'm ready for anything. If anyone tries to barge into that stall, <laughs> yeah. I'm already fully erect and stood up. You're sitting down. If a, someone's going to overpower you. Well, have you ever thought about this? If a brown bear breaks into the bathroom while you're wiping, it knows you're alive. It thinks I died. Because <laughs> it smells like death and I'm not moving. My head is down and my chin's Classic on my chest. scenario. Shitting at a National Forest Preserve bathroom. A brown bear breaks, breaks in. This is, a, this is a scenario that a lot of people need to be prepared for in life. Yes, it's coming. And you, of course, yeah, it's going to be like, that is a dead creature and I don't want to fucking Can't deal with that. it. Me? It's horrible. This thing's trying to challenge me. It's standing up. Right. Doing aggressive motions behind yeah. its back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is that arm, why is its arm moving so furiously? <laughs> Why are you wiping so aggressively? Just need to get all that shit out, man. I'm a gentle wiper. Leave it all in the bowl. Yeah. It's a it's a competition with myself. Yeah. This is, this is my Super Bowl. Yeah. The toilet bowl. <laughs> I leave it all in the bowl. It's my penance. I self-flagellate by wiping aggressively with the driest of sandpapery papers. Right. You use just regular sandpaper. Four, 40 grit. Oh, it hurts, but oh, I deserve this. Mother of God. Uh, I don't know, man. I didn't think about it that way. That is wild to think about that this is some kind of. Could just be a regular person. Experiment. With technology. Wow. I didn't think about that. That's wild. Yeah, and there's multiple of them. It's in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. This is when, this is before, like, people started to be like, uh, security agencies are kind of abusing their power. People were like, still. Where'd you get that from, Reddit? Huh? Did you get that from Reddit? No. Did you give them an update? The story? Give, give them a little. Give them the a little... idea about the being just a person? Yeah. No, that came up from me. Wow. I didn't read that anywhere. I got, I heard about this initially from Reddit. 
from uh, humanoid the humanoid encounters subreddit, which beefers check it out. Uh, I check that one. That's pretty some interest, some interesting stuff in there. Um, give him a little gold. Give him a little red of gold. I gave him a little gold. I gave the kind stranger a little gold. Um, every comment I saw, I said, "Here, take my update," or came here to say this. Um, or if I saw one word posted, I just posted the exact same word. Yeah. Uh, in reply to that comment. Um, that's pretty interesting. I think you got an angle here, Andy. Every now and again, you fucking knock one out of the park. Most of the time, big time duds, <laughs> foul balls. You're fucking like, uh, you're just you're, you're you're getting hit. You're getting walked. You know, that's the best for me is just getting hit by a pitch. Yeah, like, getting hit by a pitch, getting walked. But every now and again, you fucking get a little line drive out there. If I was a pro, if I was a pro baseball player, that would be my specialty: getting hit by pitches. They'd be like, "Well, you get on base quite a your lot. Your organs are very damaged." <laughs> You're a big target. You suffered a lot of concussions. It's not hard when when half the pitch box is covered by you. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm extending into both batter boxes. Bring it in. This guy's going to bunt. Uh, you know, the term batter box is referring to like the batter, the player on the field. Not like cupcake batter. Jesus Christ. You vet sack of shit. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, this that's neat. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it doesn't really explain like the outfit, but like maybe it is some kind of weird radiation thing, and it is like a bright beam. Why would they do it to that lady though in public? Well, it was sort of private in a little in a way, right? Like was the it? guests, the guests had left. Um, There's such know. a chance of being seen though. But who knows? Maybe this. Uh, maybe these lights Pedro saw were uh, like a government craft government vehicle on the road um you know like a monitoring for activity they saw a car pull in they're like agent bowie agent bowie get out of there except in spanish (laughs) i wouldn't have been in english um you think she Possible that she was banging this guy. You heard it here first. Yes. Anything's possible. Anything's possible if you only put your mind to it. Um, I also uh, am kind of curious. Um, do you think that the lights are connected at all? Or do you think that's just completely unrelated? Yeah. Because I could see it going either way. Pedro Pretzel sees these lights. It just so happened that it was at the same time. Uh, people saw lights the night before, like earlier in the night, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, he goes out after this encounter, doesn't see the lights anymore. But is it significant? There's no other information about the lights. It just is what it is. They were there and then they were gone. I don't know. I I don't know what to think. Um, I I lean towards maybe the thing isn't connected just because... They just kind of seem like lights. Yeah, doesn't seem like it is. A, it is a road. It is. A, it is. Yeah. A, it is a highway. And it was like either in Argentina, like a tractor, or a truck, or and it was too dark for him to really see. Right. Uh, and so all of these are like estimates from his vantage point. So who knows how accurate any of the like saying these were a meter 
a meter off the ground and the lights were five to six meters apart. Obviously, it's pretty huge. If we could find more encounters that involve a Shigi ball, I think I'd lean more towards. This was a modern day wizard with a Fushigi ball. Might have been. <clears throat> Do you think this was an early prototype test of the Fushigi ball? Yes. Fushigi! Um, all the kids That the sounds Japanese. The, it does? It does. The kids in the commercial would all say that. Fushigi! And they do like cool little tricks. Like, Whoa! Fushigi! They, they were like out in a park and everyone was like, yeah, it's, I, can, I didn't think I could do it. And then also part of the infomercial, they would interview people who tried the Fushigi and then, like, the people would be like, I didn't think I could do it, but then I did. It's really fun. You should look it up on YouTube, the infomercial. It's great. You could Fushigi me any day. So what else do you want to talk about with this one, Art? Are you ready to get into verdicts? I guess so, man. I don't really know where I'm leaning on this. Yeah, I mean, we got to just basically, like, the verdict is, what the fuck do you think this guy was? Um, yeah. So... Man, I don't know. I, you know me. I'll, I'll go first. I'll set the tone here. Go for it. Set you know, your tone. You know me. I'm not like, um, I'm not Mister. Hey, we're getting visited by ETs all the time. Um, no. But I'll say, in the 13 years that we've been doing this podcast, um, over 8,000 episodes at this point. Yeah. I have come to accept that there's some pretty fucked up shit that people can do. Um, with different stuff and it's stuff that initially I would have been like, no, that's not possible. Right. But some of it is actually real. Um, I don't know specifically that there's any technology that allows like beams of light to, uh, like scan things or like paralyze you in certain ways. But obviously like these seemed very bright. Uh, there seems to be like, a, a rhythmic component to it because of the arm swinging back and forth. Um, I feel like the the there's there's just something there to it. The gauntlet, like we don't know what that was precisely. Maria Lodi didn't get a very good like she didn't have time to like inspect the technology on this guy. The thing happened very fast. Um, I'm not really sold on it being a sexual thing uh, that she was like making up a story from her boyfriend. It seems sort of out of character from everybody's testimony, and. You know, I don't know. The story was pretty consistent throughout. So if she was just making up a lie on the, just to cover her ass, like, I think that some inconsistencies would have shown through and that would have probably been teased out in the reporting on this incident because it did get a little bit of press coverage and some follow ups. So I'm going, um, <clears throat> I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be weird today. Whoa. Like a sit down wiper? No, no, no. That's the most natural thing in the world. I'm going to go. I'm going to go plausible plus. What the fuck? This is some sort of fucked up. Who the fuck are you? Fucked up government experimentation bullshit. I'm, I'm fucking sweating right now, Bunkburgers. I'm feeling paralyzed with oh, the beam of light. I don't know who I'm looking hey, he's at. wet. <laughs> this is not Andy. This is the wet guy. Oh, wee. Wow. Plausible plus, this is a fucked I up. I blessed the rains down in Africa, and I came back with all my clothes soaked. Shoo-wee. I went to Daytona Beach in 1996. 
I got soaked up on stage, MTV Spring Break. Ooh. Kid Rock. Kid Rock. Took a squirt gun. Made my shirt all wet. Josie. Josie Hooey. Um, that's incredible. I can't believe this. This is insane. Is this the most thrilling verdict we've ever delivered on I this podcast? I think it podcast? is. This is the most thrilling verdict we've ever delivered on a podcast. And um, I don't know. I think the bug are going to freak the fuck out. Well, they're going to need their fushiki balls to come down. <laughs> little little stress management. They can't believe that Andy's given a plausible They're going to have to get a fushiki ball and go out of town for three weeks to calm down. That's Dr. Arts. Prescription. <laughs> Take a little fucking four-day vacation. Play with your fushiki ball. Get the fuck out of here for three weeks. Play with the fushiki ball. You'll be better. <laughs> I don't know. My anemia didn't get any better, Dr. Hart. Ah, you just need another fushiki ball. Oh, I'm so weak. No, just give me a fushiki ball stat. This man's bleeding out. Fushiki ball. <laughs> Apply directly to the wound. <laughs> the bullets don't seem to be coming out of me, Dr. Hart. Oh, just give it time. <laughs> Fushigi ball can do anything. Fushigi never lies. Fushigi doesn't hasn't failed me yet. Um, I'm. I mean, Andy. I don't know. I I like your idea that it's a uh an experiment, but I don't know. I think there's too many weird things with it, with like the jumpsuit and the sequins and the floating and all this other stuff and the cones. I'm gonna go plausible minus minus. That this is just a straight up. E.T. Encounter. E.T. Encounter. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's where I'm at. I got to stick with E.T. Encounters. I think that it's odd. I think there's a lot of things. You know, obviously, Argentina also has a interesting history. Uh, a, a bad. A, there's a very bad history as well. I mean, there was a lot of horrible things that went on with the Argentinian government. And I don't remember exactly if that was in the 60s or if it's post 60s. I think it was. I think it was like 70s. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The like military junta. Yeah, and they would like abduct people in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So you could be right. It could be some kind of weird, you know, secret KGB sort of style thing like that, where it's like, or like, uh, what am I trying to say? Like secret police sort of thing, right? Yeah. Where you just get abducted out of the middle of the night. Uh, the coup happened in 1976. Okay, so that's a little while later. Doesn't really line up with 1968. The uh, military junta took over in March of 1976, March 24th. Okay. That was a little bit later. Yeah. All right. Hey, and nothing says that this had to be the Argentine government doing this. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, again, very Germanic looking person. Yeah. Who knows? This could be one of our uh, Operation Paperclip Nazi scientists. Yeah. This guy could have been a Nazi. Could have been. Could have been a Fushigi using Nazis. Now, I don't know. I Now, we don't know for sure I that hope- the Thule Society invented the Fushigi ball. <laughs> Wink! <laughs> we don't know it for sure. <laughs> Wink! Wink! Oh my god. Well, I'm going I'm still I'm going plausible. Right? Okay, so but you think ET mostly encounter. you think mostly it's nothing. I'm still going yeah, ET encounter. I still think it's mostly nothing. I think it's just I don't know. I feel like there's something here. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to take the Agostinelli thing though. We need more evidence. We need more information on this story. We definitely do. Um 
Well, those are our bunk. Those are our verdicts. We need bunk We need Maria Pretzel to. Um, we need Maria Eloria Pretzel to fill us in on. Yeah, come what back the fuck and happened. keep talking about this again. Keep talking about it. Let's dredge up this old wound as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. Okay. Um, those were our verdicts, beefers. Let us know what you think about this. Let us know how you wipe your ass. Let us know what you thought about this humanoid encounter in Argentina. Use the hashtag. Um. Yeah, hashtag stand up, sit down, wiper. Wait, what were you saying? I was saying either one of those. Oh, okay. So, um, well, you got to let us know. Also, soft or hard pretzels. You got a lot of stuff <laughs> to let us know stuff. about. I mean, keep track of it all. You should be writing this down. I mean, Figure please take out. notes during the episodes. Um, we can't catch you up on everything at the end. You have to do a little bit of this work for yourself. We are like Jesus Christ. We help those who help themselves. Right. Um, Bunkfunkers, when you let us know this stuff, get at us. Twitter, Instagram, at Mr. Bunkerpod. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. You can catch us on YouTube. Uh, just search for Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. You can, if you have the means to do so and you feel so inclined and you definitely want me and Art to have bidets in our own home, please consider becoming a patron of this show by Number visiting patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunkerpod. For just five smackerinos a month, you'll get access to hundreds of thousands of hours of exclusive Patreon-only behind-the-scenes content of this podcast. Um, you'll get access to um, special previews, mm-hmm. um, upcoming events, um, and news. You'll get access to the Bunker Discord. You'll get access to... Um, we'll send you a copy of the Yellow Pages from 1991. Philadelphia area <laughs> comes in very handy. Yeah. Um, so patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker pod, $5 a month to get you access to all that and nothing more. So um, beefers, that's our show for today. Art, um, any last words before we depart? Yes. Fushigi. That's it. Beefers Fushigi uh, for not the Fushigular. <laughs> Mr. Bunker, but for my seductive co-host, Art Stone, I'm Andy Hart saying that was the whole enchilada. What's he doing over there, Jerry? He's he's playing with his Fushigi ball. Fushigi! Did you see recently that Jerry Seinfeld apologized for making the B-movie so sexual? This is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.